Burdened with a difficult childhood, a small-town boy sought escape through the allure of the silver screen. That boy was my father, and tonight we explore history and pop culture through film and television trivia. Welcome to the Marionette Theater. Take your seats. The next matinee minutia is about to begin. Good evening, and welcome to the Marionette Theater. This is Matinee Minutia. We are a show about film and television trivia. Hey, are you guys feeling the heat yet? Not really. It's pretty cold here. Gordy, uh-huh. I told you to stop eating Mexican before show night. What? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretty chilly here at the Marionette Theater. Uh, but we, uh, we've we got our woolen stocking caps on. And, uh, oh, is that what that is on your head? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it, it's like we've just come from a production of A Christmas Carol. So we're we're in our stocking caps, and we might have our dressing gowns on. And uh, tonight we are getting together to talk about a holiday program. This was a made-for-TV movie, but before we get into that... <laughs> Let me check in, because it's been a little while, and to my side here's my co-host, my partner in crime, Mr. Toppy Smelly. How are you tonight, sir? Oh, just fine. Thank you, DJ. Thank you, thank you. Uh, It's cold here in the Marionette Theater, but uh, yes, I can see my breath, but that's fine. Uh, Gertie tells me she's uh, been cranking in the heat for the last half hour, although I, I've yet to feel it. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a special shoe tonight, uh, Christmas-themed, and uh, it's even got an Australian songbird in it, I hear. Oh, and did you have a good turkey day, sir? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, oh, cooked a whole lot of food, had some family over. You know, day of eating, day of digesting. We're so glad that you emerged from your food coma to come tonight. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the chickens are okay, Spanky. The he's asking about the chickens at the chicken coop apartment. They're they're just fine, uh, and uh, they had a, a good Thanksgiving too. Hmm. Yeah, we had a modest Thanksgiving. I um, I of course was at home by myself because I am a retail widower. But uh, Mama Billy had a modest uh, pr- uh, plate for me, and we, we had a nice little visit. So, well, uh, shall we ask the uh, senior showgirl to get herself downstairs there? Yeah, it's about time. Uh, I sure hope you're feeling the heat now. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Be careful. Wait, you, wait, you see my bells. <laughs> Ooh, be careful not to rub those nylons too close together there, ma'am. Oh, gee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. All okay, right. so here we go. I think she's in position. Hey, boys. How do you like my silver bells? Ooh, got two of them. Ooh, ooh. Oh, ooh. my eyes. Ring. <laughs> Gertie, it's our Christmas show, please. Oh. <clears throat> ho, ho, ho. Trivia buffs. Jessica is a middle school student being raised by her widower father, who's too busy to notice she's growing up before his eyes. While people watching at her favorite store... 
she gets a chance to fulfill her greatest wish, to have a mother to spend the holidays with. Oh. <laughs> this Disney TV movie has old-fashioned department stores, 90s fashions, and parenting from books. Catch Australian songbird Olivia Newton-John in her first starring role in seven years. And Doris Roberts before she was Everybody Loves Raymond's overbearing grandmother. It's time for A Mom for Christmas. Hit it, boys. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies and a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Well, it is certainly the beginning of the holiday season. And as our senior showgirl let you know a moment ago, we're going to be talking about a made-for-TV movie that has a sweet little heart-touching story about a girl that just wants a mom for Christmas. Yeah, poor thing. And uh, before we discuss tonight's film, we like to take this moment to put your mind into the time frame that this is set. Uh, this is the world in 1990. In 1990, Douglas Wilder became the first African-American elected governor in the state of Virginia. D.C. Mayor Marion Barry was arrested on drug possession in 1990. Not a good year. Morris Worm, interesting name, uh, is, uh, well, the, the Morris Worm, sorry. This is, a ty- this is a type of kind of a virus computer code. It was called the Morris Worm. It was released by a Cornell graduate. <gasps> and uh, this was while he was at MIT. So it was kind of the inspiration for the film that was later done called Hackers. Uh, let's see. Now, also in 1990... There's a lot of stuff. So this is just the shortest version of the list I could get together. Former Exxon skipper Joseph Hazelwood, he's brought up on negligence charges. The Exxon Valdez oil spill. Yikes. And uh, I do believe he had three years of community service. And, well, he had to pay out of his own pocket several thousands of dollars. Uh, The First McDonald's in 1990 opened in Moscow. That was the very first time in Russia. Hmm. He thought it would have been earlier, but it was right then, just before the curtain fell. A smoking ban takes effect on all domestic U.S. flights of less than six hours. Okay. Um, Good God. (laughs) People just used to light up. (laughs) An Antonia novella or Novello, is sworn in as a Surgeon General of the United States in 1990, and she became the first female and Hispanic American to serve in that position. And uh, just a handful of other things to round out 1990. Uh, a lot of bad things, but these are the, the good things, the highlights. Driving Miss Daisy, starring Jessica Tandy and Morgan Freeman, 
won Best Picture at the 62nd Academy Awards. Hulk, you're my best friend. Yes. Um, Ryan White passed away from AIDS after a tainted blood transfusion. He had, um, oh, I'm forgetting it, uh, the, the, the uh, disorder where your blood can't clot. Um, he died. Hemophilia. hemophilia, yes. He died from AIDS at the age of 18 in 1990. The Hubble telescope was launched in 1990. Well, you know, bittersweet. We, we found out it was, well, cotton. It needed to be fixed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> President Bush, the first Bush senior, H.W., he signed the Americans with Disability Act, which signed into legislation... Uh, that it was against the law to discriminate against those with special needs. And then lastly, but certainly not least, it doesn't really apply to this film because this is a family show, folks. The, <laughs> the Motion Picture Association of America retired the X rating in favor of NC-17. Now, Toppy, fess up. Did you ever see an X-rated movie? <laughs> well, I have, but it was long after it was released as X-rated. Um, and uh, it was... Uh, Oh, Urban Cowboy. No, that wasn't it. What was it called? Wait a minute. The one with John Voight. Was that Urban Cowboy? Anyway. I was going to say, I was thinking it was the one with Linda Lovelace. Oh, not that one. <laughs> well, that was The World in 1990. Yes. We did have some... Oh, yes. Uh, I'm sorry, Toppy. I cut you off, sir. No. <laughs> Tommy and Spanky in the chat are reminding me that the movie I was thinking of was Midnight Cowboy, not Urban oh, Cowboy. Oh, that is quite a different one. <laughs> oh, anyways, we did have some celebrities, believe it or not, that were born in 1990. Although I have to say, I haven't heard of any of these people. <laughs> ah, well, the way this works, folks, is for the most part, of course, just like with the world history, we try to keep on the positive side here. So if you're interested in finding out, in 1990, we lost a fair amount of older talent. So um, we're not talking about those because we don't want to drag it down. These are folks that came into the world in 1990. Toppy, yeah. tell us about we'll, them. We'll just put celebrity in quotes. Anyways, Jonathan Lipnicki. Everybody knows him from Jerry McGuire, a 1996 movie with Tom Cruise. Oh, good. What? He was four years old when he did that movie? Yes, but if you do a search on him, how he is now. Oh, my Toppy. I think that uh, Spanky there would tell you that he grew up to be a fine young man. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> also, Kathleen Hurl. <laughs> or is it Hurley? Uh, it might be Hurley. <laughs> anyway, she was the original voice of Dara the Explorer. Happy birthday. <laughs> okay, I have heard of this guy. David Archuleta was born in 1990, and he's, of course, is that crazy American Idol kid. Who sings a lot? And I, <laughs> that's our list. And you know what? I I'm I'm not thoroughly uh, versed on uh, David Archuleta's uh, career. I do know though he's had a, an impressive amount of albums released in the decade since he's 
become a recording artist. I want to say there's possibly maybe seven. Of course, some of those are probably collaborations with other artists, but those were the celebrities who entered the world in 1990. Yeah, am I crazy or wasn't it um, David Archuleta who, who, who took over the lead singing in Queen? Was that uh, no, that was um, Adam Lambert. Okay, you're right. But they were both on American Idol. I see. Well, DJ, we like to talk about what was competing for everyone's attention. This being a TV movie. Tell us what was going on. Oh, so I'm sorry. Jeepers. Oh, you got distracted. Uh, Spanky, Spanky just posted uh, the... the um, He's all good. He's all grown up now. (laughs) Jonathan Lipnicki. (laughs) He has made his mama proud, I'm sure. He's a fine young man. Um, Also, uh, tell us what what was uh, competing against uh, this on TV in 19. Here, here, Toppy, borrow my handkerchief and wipe that sweat off your brow. Um, In 1990, what else we had on TV? Because this was a TV movie and it aired on NBC. A Mom for Christmas was a TV movie made by the folks at Disney, the Mouse House, but they had not yet bought ABC. That was just around the horizon. So this was made for NBC and uh, it aired in December of 1990. In fact, it was a Monday. It was December 17th, so just a couple of weeks from Christmas. And, um, well, the other network show, uh, network stations, they had similar ideas. They decided that Monday nights were a good night to show a movie, and that's exactly what the folks at ABC did, and even Fox did it. Now, I couldn't tell you what they showed the same night, but on CBS, the the Eyeball, the Big Brother Network, they were airing another program. And, uh, well, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't catch Mom for Christmas because it was Murphy Brown. And uh, I do love myself some of the dime lady, um, Candace Bergen. Yeah, that was on CBS. Now, uh, back in the day here, like to lie to kids, uh, at, at the beginning of uh, cable uh, expanding, the networks <clears throat> were still a place where uh, theatrically run TV movies and made-for-TV movies uh, would would come on the air. And uh, these, you know, that just doesn't happen anymore because there's so many other places for them to play and networks don't do that anymore. In fact, the day is days of made for TV movies are pretty much over. And of course, cable companies are coming in and uh, you got your year Hallmark movies and your lifetime movies and your Netflix movies. Uh, so that's what's happening today. I find it interesting because I remember in a period of my youth in the early eighties, when there used to be a phenomenon known as the Disney Sunday movie. Now, I want to say, I think that that was on NBC, and um, it introduced some original programs at the time even. In fact, I think Flight of the Navigator was possibly made for television. Hmm. Could be. I'm not sure, but I do know that NBC on Sunday nights ran 
uh, a Disney shoe uh, for years. And when I was a, a little kidlet, uh, that's right. Uh, Tommy in the chat said it was the wonderful world of Disney. Now, when I started watching, uh, it was called the wonderful world of color because mm -hmm. color TVs were coming around and they switched the name for a couple of years to the wonderful world of color. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Tudor remembers that too. So, um, speaking of the chat room, DJ, let's let everybody know that we got some folks. Oh yes, that can listen to us uh, live and are interacting in the chat room with each other and us. Yeah, peek and, over that balcony and let us know who's joined us tonight. All right, we've got uh, your hubby Billy. We've got returning again, Aunt Tudor, and we've got uh, just coming in. Ooh, popped in Marin Gertz. Uh, just popped in. We have uh, we haven't seen Spanky in a while. Spanking the Arthur. That's Matthew. Thank you for joining us. We've got Tommy coming by again. Our pal Tommy. Good to see everyone tonight. Glad you are here, and um, we hope you'll enjoy tonight's presentation. Uh, Thank you for joining us, folks. That scared the hell out of me. Um, DJ, play uh, our little promo for our movie. Okay. Let's see one sec. It's a Christmas wish for the mom she never had. You want a mom for the holidays. Now, with a little magic, a miracle is coming to life. Hi. When the magic spell is over, Midnight. can one little girl's love keep the magic alive? Till Christmas, never forget. Olivia Newton-John's first TV movie, A Mom for Christmas, on NBC Monday. Yes, indeed. Olivia Newton-John was uh, starring in this delightful Disney story of love, family, and starting over. And uh, it was for the holidays. Uh, it's about Jessica, who's 11 years old and whose mother died when she was three. And she gets a free wish from a wishing well at a big department store. And she gets what she asked for and more, a mom for Christmas. It's actually a department store mannequin that's brought to life. Uh, as a beautiful woman named Amy, and that's played by Olivia Newton-John. And then uh, when Amy shows up at Jessica's door, she brings life and laughter back into Jessica's family. The only problem is Amy can only stay until Christmas Eve. Uh, but now that Amy has brought some joy into their lives, Jessica and her dad don't want to lose her. That's the general gist, kids. DJ topping the cast is that Olivia Newton-John. And goodness knows she has quite a list of accomplishments. We can't possibly name them all. But what what do we know, DJ? Well, despite what you might think, Toppy, with that beautiful accent of hers, she was not born in Australia. She was merely a transplant. She was born in merry old England. And her folks left when she was just a little girl, about five or six and uh, her maternal relations were of Jewish descent. Now, they actually fled Europe 
uh, as part of the war. And uh, her father was an intelligence agent in, uh, in the service to the queen there. He was part of MI5. And uh, as I said, when she was six, they moved to Australia. Now, while there, her father took a teaching job. He was a professor at a university, and he taught German. So that was uh, the language of his wife's family. And uh, Olivia's first U.S.-released film was in 1978. Maybe you've heard of it. A little thing with John Travolta and Eve Arden, Ramalema, Ding Dong, uh, Greece. Yes, that was Olivia's first U.S. film. Now, she she made a handful of films before that, and oh boy, uh, Toppy and I were talking about that behind the curtain. One or two of them we might have to check out, because they look well, weird. Let, let me just mention a few of them. <laughs> but this surprised the heck out of me, but she her first movie was 1966. Now, don't that be all. <laughs> it was called Funny Things Happen Down Under. But in 1970, she did another movie, and this is the one we want to catch. Folks, it's called Tomorrow, and uh, it's uh, about dying aliens who kidnap the pop group Tomorrow. And uh, and uh, hilarity ensues, I guess. But uh, that, was, that was a 1970, and I can only imagine what that movie looks like. But that really startled me, <laughs> that uh, she, she was... Uh, Doing a movie back in 66. Yeah, around when Goldie Hawn got her start. Um, and I think uh, 73, you could probably say she broke into uh, the top 40, mm -hmm. um, I believe. Uh, and I think it was uh, Let Me Be There. Right. She, she won a Grammy Award. For right. Um, now, uh, to date, she has 25 acting credits and she's released 28 studio albums. There are six live albums, 17 compilations, meaning that she worked with others like duets and whatnot. And there are four soundtracks amongst that. Now, um, Olivia has worked in a variety of music genres. In fact, when she started off, she was considered a country artist. And for a stint in the 80s, she was a pop artist. And nowadays, uh, more like some of my favorite 80s artists, she just likes to have fun with her music. So she's got her own following and she's not concerned with hitting the charts. But uh, three of... Olivia's albums in her roster there have been Christmas albums. The last one was just the other year with fellow Australian uh, John Farnham, who was previously in Little River Band. And uh, A Mom for Christmas, as you heard in the commercial, was her first starring role in seven years. Now, this followed on the heels of her 83 film, which she also did with John Travolta that was in Greece with her. And this is a film called Two of a Kind. Now, if you haven't seen this movie, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it later because it's one of those ones I, I like to bring out from under the rug every now and then. Oh, really? Yes. Um, well, just to go back to um, that huge breakthrough <clears throat> album, uh, Grease, it was freaking huge. And it got tons of airplay, won tons of awards. And to say 
well, I mean, it's just it just smashed her onto the scene in a huge, big way. And that was 1978. So we also have um, Doris Roberts, and she plays... Well, we don't really know what she is, DJ. Is she a witch? Is she an angel? She's some sort of supernatural being. But they don't exactly explain um, what she is, uh, except that she has certain gifts or powers, I guess. And I suppose the main one is that she can bring mannequins to life. Yeah, she... specific talent right there yeah she ran the little wishing well that the little girl found in the department store and she handed her a box and in it was this uh gift it was one free wish mm-hmm. so her big break was in 1979 and she was cast as the mother of uh the title role in angie which ran for 36 episodes is from 1979 to 1980. It was Gary Marshall's television series. He created that for ABC. And now I have something else to put on my watch list because uh, along with Doris Roberts in that series was the legendary Anna Pascal. And this is somebody that I've been hearing about for years on Pod as my co-pilot. I felt like I was left out of the inside joke. Well, now I'm going to go watch Angie so I know what it's about. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Now, I just want to, am I reading this right? She won, Doris Roberts won. An Emmy four times for the same role. She did on Everybody Loves Raymond. Jeepers. Yeah, Best Supporting Actress four times. Uh, Emmy winner. Wow. She did that from 96 to 2005. All right. I'm going to just confess. I never... I haven't seen a single episode of Everybody Loves Me. <laughs> That's okay, Not Toppy. one episode. I've I've only seen a handful of episodes. I'm I'm not a huge Patricia Heaton fan, but um, I I I like Doris Roberts and the the chemistry that she had between her character and her husband was pretty good. So. Um, you know, it, it might be worth watching a handful of episodes just to see if you'd w- want to go further. Yeah. So her role in A Mom for Christmas, it's pretty small, but uh, she is the, she does make the magic happen when it comes to granting uh, Jessica's wish. Who else do we got? Uh, we don't have much to say about the father. No. That's actor Doug Sheehan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, he's best known for his role as Ben Gibson on that uh, primetime soap, Knots Landing, from 83 to 87. Now, I and, uh, know that you watched that, Toppy. Do you recognize him from that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. He, he was uh, very recognizable. In fact, he looks very – it's only about three years after he – finished with Knott's Landing that he did this movie. So he looks exactly the same. And and really, Ben Gibson, poor Ben Gibson on Knott's Landing, the character, he was just at a holding place for when Val got back together with Gary. Oh. So 
he had to hold that place for a good four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how long it took Val and Gary to get back together. Anyways. Well, you know, uh, I don't have it on the note there, Toppy, but Mr. Doug Sheehan, he also has a connection with a past topic from this show. Uh, a handful of episodes back, we talked about a movie with a cosplay and... Um, drag performer Demanda Martini. We talked about Clueless with Alicia Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Well, Doug Sheehan stepped in when it was made into a TV series, and he played the part of the dad. And later on, he also made appearances on the Sabrina the Teenage Witch series with Melissa Joan Hart. He played Sabrina's mortal dad. Mm, all right. Well, in the chat room, think the people are chiming in about uh, <laughs> everybody loves Raymond. Uh, Spanky says not missing much. Uh, I don't know. Patricia Heaton. Tommy says, is that someone who was in? Yeah, she was okay. on Everybody Loves Raymond. She was the mom. Okay. Well, Tommy says she's a right wing nag. <laughs> <laughs> Aunt Tudor says best thing about. Everybody loves Raymond was Doris and Peter Boyle. Yeah, I think and, that's the uh, the grandfather, her husband. Yeah. And Myron Gertz says, "Congratulations, Toppy." I don't think Everybody Loves Raymond <laughs> was really worth watching. <laughs> well, well, well. The jury's in. <laughs> oh, Lordy, we got another person to talk about uh, from this movie, and that's the little girl, the actor actress that played uh, little little Jessica, and her name. Uh, in real life is Juliet Scarcy. And uh, she started out studying acting with a lot of top teachers. And uh, I don't really have a whole lot to say about her, but she's appeared in about 5 million TV shows, um, including Quantum Leap, The Tracy Ullman Show, Baywatch, In the Heat of the Night. And she's still working right up to today. Uh, she was very recently in a CSI Miami show. So she is a working actress uh, and uh, still busy. Um, but here she's uh, just a, a really cute little kid who does a pretty good job as uh, as Jessica. Yeah, I, I was reading that uh, one of the things about this movie that was special in Olivia Newton-John's career is that she was only recently a new mother, just a few years before, and her daughter was just old enough that she hung out on the sets while they were filming this, and she became friends with the actress that played her mother's daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, there's about, if I'm not mistaken, three songs that Olivia sings in this movie. It might be two, but I think it's three. Well, this is one of them, and uh, it's not on any of her albums, uh, but it was uh, featured in this movie. This is a chance for you to get a beverage, go potty, or go boom, boom. (laughs) Why did I say that? Jingle those uh, bells. Yes, uh, (laughs) or just sit tight and listen to this uh, song by Olivia Newton-John. Before you 
And we are back, folks. So grab your seats and we will continue the discussion. So, Tafi. Um, we got a director of this here thingy. His name's George Miller. By the way, did you catch that when uh, Livy Newton John names herself, she goes, I'm Amy, Amy uh, Miller. And that <laughs> happens to be the name of the last name of the director, George Miller. What do we know about him, DJ? Well, uh, Mr. George Miller was born in Scotland, so the uh, the northern part of the UK there. And uh, he has directed a bunch of things. Now, uh, quite a few of them have been TV-related. He directed, though, also NeverEnding Story 2. And this was the sequel to the original. It was made a few years before. Now, this starred a 90s teen actor in his early days. He was maybe 12, 13 at the time. Jonathan Brandis. Now, sadly, he's no longer with us, but he was a child star. And George Miller directed him in NeverEnding Story 2 that came out the same year as A Mom for Christmas. And uh, the next film that George Miller did was another holiday movie. It was called In the Nick of Time. This had Lloyd Bridges, and that came out in 1991. And Mr. Miller, he well, he's worked with a number of fine folks in the acting community. He was uh, fortunate enough to work with Olympia Dukakis in a film called Over the Hill in 92. He also worked with one of my favorites, Shelley Long, in a film that came out in 92 called Frozen Assets. Hmm. And uh, the last couple of films he did in the late 90s was with Steve Gutenberg in 97. He did a film called Zeus and Roxanne. It was kind of a, an animal love story. And um, most recently, he did with a film with former 007, Pierce Brosnan, also the star of Remington Steel, part of Doris Roberts' fame. And in 97, Pierce Brosnan did a film with Mr. George Miller, Robinson Crusoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> very good. So we'll talk a little bit about the writer. His name is Gerald DePago, and he wrote a lot for TV, but also for some movies. And I was kind of flipped out when I looked at his uh, track of work because there's several... Uh, things that he did that I remember as being super good. So he's the writer. And one of the ones that I'll never forget this movie, it was made for TV in 1973. It was called I Heard the Owl Call My Name. And it really was a deep, sensitive movie about uh, original people uh, in in the north and how they were Americanized and uh, children put in American schools and things and I just I vividly remember that movie he also did he also did 1973 kind of a disaster movie about a runaway train Oh, and uh, disaster movies were real popular at that time. This was made for TV in 1973. It was called Runaway. Also, another TV movie with Helen Hayes and Fred Astaire. It was called A Family Upside Down. That was Ooh. 1978. 
And it was about the last years of this elderly couple in a family. And I just, I just remember it vividly. Uh, he also did a Burt Reynolds movie called Sharky's Machine, DJ, in 1978. <laughs> Here's another TV movie. A fine one in my mind. It was the last of the Incredible Hulk TV movies. He did this in 1990, same year as uh, the mom. I, I, I want my mom to be Santa. No, that's not what it was called. Uh, my mom, the, the mannequin. No. Anyways, uh, that movie <laughs> was called The Death of the Incredible Hulk with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. And uh, I just think that it was a, a fitting finish to that whole television series. Um, a theatrical movie that I really liked, starring John Travolta. Phenomenon. He wrote that. Oh, that was a good film. In fact, I think Gene Stapleton. Or no, I'm I'm confusing Phenomenon with Michael. Sorry, but Phenomenon was a good movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, Forrest was Whitaker good. was in that too. Yes, he was. Uh, 1996. That one was. Also, don't know if you ever saw this. It's called The Forgotten. A really weird sci-fi thriller, uh, a theatrical release. Uh, Juliana Moore was in it. It was really good. Hmm. Really good. The Forgotten. Yeah. So when I read that, oh, and many, many more things, that is just a barely scratching the surface. This guy was very prolific. But uh, I just, oh, when I saw, I heard the I'll Call My Name, I was just like, wow. Ooh, phenomenon. Wow. Okay, so um, talk about the uh, the location of this movie, where they shot it, DJ. It, it happened to have been done in a real-life department store. It was, and you know, I have a, a kind of an affinity for uh, companies and their histories. We, we sometimes call that Americana because it's about how a, a company got started and rose to fame and... Well, this uh, department store that they filmed in, uh, in later days, it it uh, it went to the wayside because it got gobbled up. Now, in the turn of the century, around Victorian times, a uh, a business called Shalitos was uh, growing in Cincinnati, in the Buckeye state of Ohio, and uh, they had a fairly big building in downtown Cincinnati. Now, uh, later on, the Shalito stores were acquired by a group called themselves Lazarus. Now, Toppy, I'm not sure if you know this, but the folks that uh, founded the Lazarus, L-A-Z-A-R-U-S, Lazarus Department Stores, they had a hand in Thanksgiving. Did you know that? Uh, no. I, was, I have no idea. What what are you talking about? Well, the the uh, one of the heads of the Lazarus uh, Department Store Company uh, successfully lobbied President Roosevelt to set Thanksgiving as the third Thursday in November. Oh. So thanks to the Lazarus Department Store Company, Thanksgiving will always be that date. So probably to help with, uh, you know, shopping. But uh, anyways, Lazarus eventually got folded into Macy's, as many things did. And, uh, well, 
The store where A Mom for Christmas was filmed uh, later closed in 2005 after this was made. But uh, at the time, they were operating as a Lazarus department store, and they had... uh, a uh, a um, decor of days gone by. They had an Art Deco style exterior. In fact, you see that in the very beginning of this film. They're outside the store, and there's the awning, and there's the clock, and there's a few scenes in the film where they're coming and going from the store, especially at night when there are no shoppers around. Mm-hmm. Um, last, last little note I've got is as TV movies were, this was shot very fast. It was shot in one month and then the entire thing was edited and slapped together, uh, and, uh, and premiered on TV only two months after it was finished. So these, that's how it went for TV movies. They were a quick affair. They were meant to make money, and this one was very highly rated, and uh, there was talk of making it a television series, but it just never took hold, and it never happened, but they were considering it at one time. And did you know, DJ, that uh, John Travolta himself and an actor named Michael Beck were both offered the part of the father, Jim uh, who we uh, Doug Sheehan played, uh, but both of them turned it down. Huh. Yeah, so they uh, could have been John Travolta there. I don't know. You know, after Greece, um, Olivia Newton John stayed good friends with John Travolta. In fact, one of her Christmas albums has a bunch of duets with him. Mm hmm. Um, and that's rather recent, isn't it? Um, it's from a handful of years ago now. It's not her most recent Christmas album, which came out in 2017. I want to say this might have been from 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and we, we should mention that uh, Olivia Newton-John is really quite the trooper, quite the fighter, uh, quite... Uh, um, a woman, she has been fighting cancer on and off and is currently fighting cancer. She beat it and it came back and she beat it and it's back again. But she's, uh, you know, uh, still in good spirits and, um, you know, working as much as she can. So, Toppy, we don't really do this much because we, we focus on the trivia, but I'd like to take a moment to go back to the film. Do you have a favorite moment from this? Did, was there you know, a, a time in the story that really maybe touched you or you thought was the most impressive part of the performance? Um, <clears throat> well, you know, Olivia Newton-John was pr- pr- fairly good as a comedic actress in this, you know, um, I, I, I guess at certain times in her life with the right of makeup, you could say she was a stunning beauty, but actually she had kind of a funny face and she used it to good effect in this movie by, uh, different expressions that were pretty goofy. And, uh, she wasn't afraid to let that side out. Um, I like that. I think the, uh, the, the some of the fun things she did was just, uh, oh, making comments about what it was like to really be alive and 
like when she sat down, she had a lap, and that startled her. Um, she just thought that sleeping was just hilarious because you just lay down and stretch out. And she thought popcorn was a super funny food. So there was a lot of that. But um, I, there, there was some nice interplay um, with the daughter, you know, really wishing she had a mother. And at one point, uh, Amy, the, the uh, mannequin, just felt she wasn't doing the right job, a good enough job to help this girl. And, uh, and she even, the girl, Jessica even got super mad at her. And I thought that was well done. Yeah. What, what, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, you know, for our audience's point of view there, uh, when the daughter gets mad at Amy, uh, Olivia Newton-John's character, it's because she chose to read her diary to find out what she could do to make it up to her. Cause she had upset her at one point in the story. And yeah, as a matter of fact, trip play clip, clip three. I think that's the one. Okay. Let's find three. Here we go. Dad, Amy made breakfast. Well, she has. Well, uh, you didn't have to do that. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> I didn't know what I'd, I'd enjoy sleep so much. I mean, you just lie there. Chicken noodle. Uh, is there any uh, coffee? Coffee? No. But I could cook some. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll just uh, But Jess, you look different. You look great. Thanks. Amy, help me get ready. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> I swear, Jess is more grown up every time I look at her. Oh? How often do you look at her? Well, you know, I... How's your breakfast? Mm. What? I see it all the time. Fathers are always coming into the store exchanging clothes they bought for their daughters. She's bigger than I thought, they say. She's older than I realized. I wonder if they're really looking. The mothers are, though. The women, they're always measuring and watching. Men are too busy, I guess. Hello. Yes. You better be going. Yes, I'll, I'll hold. You two have fun. We'll clean up later. <gasps> oh, look at me. No touch. Skin is so hard to deal with. You know, it just bunches and wrinkles and makes you want to iron it. Come on, yes. Bye. Bye, Dad. So, you've got a missing dummy. Mannequin, Mr. Morelli. And an expensive outfit right down to the shoes. Other things unaccounted for are a suitcase, underclothes, several missing books. But it's the mannequin itself that bothers me. Now, don't worry, Nellman. I'm on vacation from the force, so right now they've got my full attention. Who? The shoplifters. The purse snatchers. All the punks who come out of the woodwork on Christmas. We'll take care of it. So, who's still a dummy, huh? Is that why you moonlight these security jobs, Sarge? The rise in crime? Right, kid. That and the alimony. Well, obviously, that was not the clip, but <laughs> it does show the interplay between uh, Amy and the father. And it, uh, uh, Spanky says, 
that he didn't really buy the sudden romance between the dad and Amy. I have to say, they they kind of just played that in there rather effortlessly mm-hmm. because from the get-go and the first scene they have together, she says to his daughter, oh, I really like her too, and, and uh, <laughs> takes no time at all, which in reality, <clears throat> this this guy brings a woman into the house uh, that answers an ad he's pretty sure he didn't put in the paper um, and uh, you know immediately says, sure, take the room upstairs. <laughs> Uh, be part of the family. <laughs> I have no freaking clue who you are. But anyways. In this neighborhood, we don't lock our doors, and I'm not worried about a background check. <laughs> not at all. Um, but, you know, I, I think probably one of the, the scenes that I enjoyed the most in the film, not from the, the part of it being, you know, heartwarming or anything like that, because there are, there are enough mother-daughter moments in the movie that you feel that they're they're trying, and that's really what it is. You know, this is supposed to be a feel-good holiday movie, and you, you just watch it for the moments, and whether or not they're believable is up to you. But you know, don't 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 look at it too harshly. Now, the scene that I'm thinking about that I thought was the the biggest reality flash was when the uh, the old-fashioned Christmas tree that Amy decided to make. Because let's face it, folks, she doesn't know anything about human life. But like a lot of people, she tried to learn from books. So there's a fair share of first-time parents that would do that. And uh, she gets this tree and decorates it. And, well, she lights candles because it's old-fashioned and there's a fire. So uh, the, the scene that I, I thought was... Uh, you know, really uh, brings it to home and and, and puts a, a light on things is when the father loses all of the old pictures he had of his daughter when his wife was still living. And all the while, Amy, the outsider, has been trying to point out to him that he is losing track of time. He doesn't notice his daughter growing up. Well, suddenly all those pictures are gone now and he's having to face reality I, I've stopped paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, by the end of the movie, the father takes the first snapshot of the kid that he's taken in, you know, like five years or something. DJ, I must ask you, this is the second mannequin movie that you've chosen. <laughs> Furthermore... Uh, several other movies have had similar themes, such as uh, that TV series about the angel that mm. comes down and helps the family. <laughs> then there's uh, 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 the, uh, the Jason Robards movie. Mm. Uh, what was that called? Oh, well, Max Dugan Returns. Max Dugan Returns. This sort of magical character that comes down and helps the family. Uh, then you've got, uh, um, you know, Mannequin. And um, I don't know. I think there's a, even another one where it's uh, uh, a similar theme. So something about this keeps drawing you to movies uh, of this ilk. You know, DJ. I... 
I, I, I'm, uh, I'm not quite sure what it is, Toppy. I, I have some thoughts on it. Now, this, of course, was only made a handful of years from when the, the Mannequin film with Andrew McCarthy and Kim Cattrall came out. That was in 87. This is in 1990. I think that um, all these films like Mannequin and A Mom for Christmas probably are are, uh, you know, retellings of the idea of Pinocchio, where he was, uh, you know, a a, a uh, inanimate object made real. But as far as the magical element, I think I enjoy that because, you know, um, I, I want to say that it's being the youngest child, you, you have a sense of wonder about you when everyone else is older, so you try to be more mature and uh, when you have a moment of excitement, you find something, you make a discovery, it's magical to you. And I think that um, just as in fiction, in real life, we have the opportunity for people to bring magic in. And, you know, you, you, you can't let yourself be jaded. You can't say, this couldn't possibly happen. Sometimes... You just have to have to let somebody be excited about what lights them up because, um, you know, if you enjoy their company, maybe it will light you up too. I mean, uh, you're talking to the person who, when he was, you know, seven years old, his best friend in the world was the old lady across the street who was a retired nurse confined to a wheelchair, and uh, you know, she she had a parrot. And every day I got uh, told to go home when her stories came on. <laughs> I can just hear saying that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Um, now, Spanky speculated uh, that the themes are uh, about a, a lot of wishing for parents. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, um, I've talked about it on my solo show, Surely You Jest, by the way. Um, you know, I lost my dad in, in my early 20s, so it's it's like he's a, a page in a book to me. I, I've He's been gone half my life now, and my mother's been gone now for more than a handful of years. So I feel that I identify with some of that because certainly people my own age probably have their own family if they are in a different stage of life. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Aunt, Aunt Tudor just posted a picture from the Twilight Zone. I just wonder if that's is that. Uh, I don't know who that might be. I don't know if that's someone. Is from that the Doris movie. Roberts? Maybe. Well, I sort of thought that does look like it could be a very young Doris Roberts. Hmm. So we'll have to see. Well, Toppy, we have reached the part of our show where we tell folks uh, other things that we might recommend if they enjoyed a mom for Christmas. This is our snack tray. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. DJ, I just realized this is the Twilight Zone movie about these mannequins that come to life. Oh, okay. I will have to go back and look for that. So, Toppy, I've uh, I've had my speak for a moment here. Why don't we uh, switch on over to your aisle and tell us uh, something you think that our listeners might enjoy if they like a mom for Christmas or holiday movies. All right. Well, I do think that um, a mom for Christmas was 
was okay. I I enjoyed it for what it was. I I think you could say it's mainly for the kids, um, but it, it was it was fun. But it uh, another holiday movie about a a, a a widower and his daughter um, that I recommend. It's a little obscure, but um, it's called The House Without a Christmas Tree, and uh, Jason Robard stars in it. And it was made for TV, um, I believe, in Canada. But I remember as a Ute, uh, it was shown and repeatedly shown for about five years on one of the networks. And it be- sort of became a ho- holiday regular. That's what I remember it from. And uh, just a, a really cute, heartwarming story about a really uh, stingy, grumpy dad and her very creative, expressive daughter, who just wants a Christmas tree. Okay. Well, for my recommendations, uh, I've got a couple of them, because, well, no surprise, Olivia Newton-John was one of my dad's favorite actresses. And uh, that's sort of the spirit of the marionette here. I'm revisiting happy memories of growing up. And, uh, well, Olivia Newton-John in uh, 83, which was the last uh, of her starring roles before Mom for Christmas, she starred in with John Travolta in a film called Two of a Kind. And what a movie. Now, Toppy, talk about a, uh, a revisit here. Last year at this time, we talked about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. And in Two of a Kind, Scatman Carruthers makes an appearance as an angel. Huh. And uh, this is a film. It's another angel. It's another. <laughs> PJ, see what you're doing? <laughs> Mr. Angel, come get me. <laughs> oh, so, so in Two of a Kind, uh, Livy Newton John plays a bank teller. And John Travolta is a. Uh, on hard luck, you know, a, uh, a guy who's on bad, or what do you call it? He's, he, he's um, in hard times. He's an inventor, and he's trying to get money to produce his invention. Well, he robs the bank that a Olivia Newton-John is working at, and suddenly she becomes a hostage. But uh, through a calamity of events, they get to know each other, and Scatman Crothers plays one of the angels that's been sent to uh, look out for them because there's a reason these two met and that they're hitting it off. So that was 1983's Two of a Kind. And uh, because we are talking about the holidays, folks, I'm going to recommend recommend, recommend a movie, not Macarena. Um, in 94, there was a film called Mixed Nuts. And this is a film with Steve Martin and it has one of, if not the last performance by the legendary Madeline Kahn. And uh, in this film, Mixed Nuts, basically, Steve Martin's character is running a hotline. It's a, uh, I think it's a suicide prevention hotline. And it takes place during the holidays. So you get all sorts of strange calls and every person in this film is a character and poor Madeline Kahn. She just wants to go home in this 
And, uh, well, before the movie is out, a Christmas tree is dropped on her car. Alrighty. <laughs> but, yes, Mixed Nuts from 94. Even if you don't care for Steve Martin, there is a boatload of talent in this cast. You, oh, I can't name all of them, but it even has uh, Adam Sandler in it part life. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, uh, DJ, uh, give me the magic coins that magician left here at the theater a million years ago. Okay, let me go and, find uh, those. Yeah, find find those coins because we gotta put a coin in that uh, magic gumball machine. Okay, here we go. Yeah, hand it to me there. All right, right in here. Okay, I think that landed on your side of the desk there, sir. Okay, well, next time, folks, we are going to do the classic. Well, maybe not so classic. It's called <laughs> Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> Made in 1964. It's a real low-budget holiday sci-fi crossover film. It's unforgettable. And uh, that is our movie for next time. So be here two weeks from tonight. And we we will be uh, going over Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. That is Friday, December 20th. And that's just under a week before the big day. Now, Santa Claus Conquers the Martian also uh, includes the film debut of Pia Zadora. And the storyline is the Martians kidnap Santa Claus because there's nobody on Mars to give their children presents. Well, that's sweet. Okay, well, we want to thank everyone in the chat room there that's joined us tonight. Uh, Call out their names one more time for me, sir. All right. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Matthew. Spanking B. Arthur. Thank you, Marin Gertz. And thank you, Aunt Tudor. Excuse me. Aunt Tudor. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univazpods.net, click the tower for audio, enter Discord for chat. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Tweet us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Have an idea for a show? Or let us know how we're doing. Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. John's gone wild with Matt and Tom. Speak up. The Smellcast by Tommy Smelly. Be heard. Tastes like burning with Tim and James. Unique voices in podcasting. The Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. Univazpods.net.